the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick. Real love is calling, listen, if your definition of freedom is that you get to do whatever you want, whenever you want, however you want, well then no, God's word is not going to be freeing to you. Because there are some things that God says do not do. So if you think freedom is doing whatever you want, whenever you want, however you want, then God's word is not going to be freeing to you. Because there's stuff that God says don't do. But at the same time, friends, listen, if your definition of freedom is that you get to do whatever you want, whenever you want, however you want, you are not living in a real world. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Psalms. Do you value your own personal freedom? Do you know what true freedom really means? Many people view the Bible as stuffy and restrictive, but the truth is that God has given us His Word to set us free from the things that bind us up and keep us in bondage. As the psalmist continues to celebrate the beauty and perfection of God's Word, Psalm 119 reminds us that true freedom can only come to us as we submit to God's commandments. In today's message, Pastor Gary will challenge us to rethink our freedom. Are you truly free? Well, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Psalms, chapter 119, with part one of today's message, The Blessings and Benefits of the Bible. Psalm chapter 119. It is the longest psalm in the book of Psalms. It is the longest chapter in all of the Bible. And it is a chapter in the Bible about the Bible. Because Psalm 119 is all about the wonderful benefits and blessings of God's Word for those who hear it and obey it. And within this chapter are outlined many wonderful benefits and blessings that are available to us if we would simply read God's Word and do what it says. And my desire pastoring here is that we would continue to have a deep hunger for God's Word, and increasingly so, that God would give us a renewed desire to just read His Word and to apply it to our lives, because contained within Scripture are inherent blessings and benefits. If we would just do what it says, we'd read it, we would apply it to our lives, there are some wonderful benefits and blessings of God's Word. Now, Psalm 119, 176 verses that are separated into 22 sections, and each section corresponds to a letter in the Hebrew alphabet. They only have 22 letters in in the Hebrew alphabet. So in the course of our study, you're actually going to learn the Hebrew alphabet, too, because each section has a subtitle of that particular Hebrew letter, and then you, you don't see it in your English Bibles, but in a Hebrew Bible, each verse within that section 
begins with the letter of that section. We first started into the first four sections here in chapter 119, the sections labeled Aleph, Beit, Gimel, and Dalet. And these were the four points we looked at from those first four sections. The benefits and blessings of God's word. Number one, it produces a blessed life. Number two, it produces a clean life. Number three, it shields us against slander and gossip from others. And number four, it strengthens the weary. Now, uh, back at uh, point number two, when we talked about how it produces a clean life, and uh, even though I mentioned that, of course, the the promise and the principle is true for all of us, however, the psalmist does in verse 9 single out young men, and how can young men keep their way pure by living according to God's word? And, and I kind of you know, emphasized that principle specifically to young men since the psalmist did and, uh, and made the, the illustration about you know, a river. A river within its banks is, is a wonderful thing. Outside of its banks can be a destructive thing. So we need God's word to, to keep our God-given sex drive within the banks. So I'm only saying that because I got a wonderful letter from a young man in um, Herman, Maine, last week, and it's not long at all, but I just want to read it to you because it was, it was really touching to me. Dear Pastor Gary, I just want to say thank you for bringing me closer to God through your teachings. Your recent talk about Psalm 119 and young men has inspired me to, as you put it, keep my river in its banks. <laughs> he says, when I get older, we... We, in parenthesis, me and my mom, only got to attend about five of your services before returning to Maine, but we watch you on mom's iPad every Sunday. I hope you can continue to lead people to Christ through words and deeds. God bless. Chance, age 11. Isn't that great? So praise God. So Chance, if you're watching, I appreciate your desire, even as a young man at the age of 11, of getting this into your heart, because it'll go a long way in your life. So God bless you for writing, and so what an inspiration to me. Let's look here together at uh, Psalm 119. I'm going to read this section that is labeled, Hey, it starts at verse 33. Now it's the letter, the Hebrew letter is just spelled H-E, so in English we would look at that and say it's he, but it's pronounced Hey. Verse 33, teach me, O Lord, to follow your decrees, then I will keep them to the end. Give me understanding, and I will keep your law and obey it with all my heart. Direct me in the path of your commands, for there I find delight. Turn my heart toward your statutes and not toward selfish gain. Turn my eyes away from worthless things. Preserve my life according to your word. Fulfill your promise to your servants so that you may be feared. Take away the disgrace I dread, for your laws are good. How I long for your precepts. Preserve my life in your righteousness. I want to highlight with you again from verse 39, where the psalmist says, Take away the disgrace I dread, for your laws are good. You notice that with me? Underline that in your Bibles. Take away the disgrace I dread, for your laws are good. So in our working list going through all 22 sections. We're going to look at one point from each section. So far, we've seen four points. Here's number five on the list. It takes away disgrace. 
it takes away disgrace. Now, if you have a New King James or an ESV, it doesn't use the word disgrace. It uses the word reproach. The Hebrew word is herpa, and herpa can translate reproach, disgrace, or shame. Reproach, disgrace, or shame. The psalmist is saying, when I read your word, it has this wonderful uh, work about it that it removes disgrace and shame from my life. Disgrace and shame are horrible things to live with. We all experience some degree of disgrace and shame, and the reason is because those are natural byproducts of sin. When we sin, there will be a sense of shame. There will be a sense of disgrace, even if you don't know the Lord. You know, because we're all made in the, in the image and likeness of God, and there is that God consciousness that is placed within every human being that even if we don't know him in a personal way, we still understand when we violate things that are, that are right and do things that are wrong, a conscience kicks in, and so we feel some amount of shame or disgrace or guilt. That's actually not necessarily a bad thing. If you feel some shame when you do something that is wrong, that actually shows that your conscience is working properly. It is when someone does something that is wrong and they feel no shame about it, they feel no guilt, they feel no remorse, it's what psychologists call a sociopath. The Bible refers to that person as one with a seared conscience. That's a terrible place to be. When you do something wrong and you don't even have a check in your heart that it is wrong. And, and so feeling some amount of shame or disgrace is actually a normal thing. It's a healthy thing. It shows that your conscience is working. The worst thing is to not feel remorse or guilt or shame at all when you do something wrong. Uh, but yet when people don't understand that shame is related to sin and they don't understand what to do with their sin problem, then they will sometimes suffer under a lifetime of shame. A lifetime of guilt. And this is the wonderful thing about knowing the Lord. The psalmist understands when we know the Lord and we ask him to forgive us and he forgives us of our sin, then we read his word and it begins to wash over us to remind us that the shame and disgrace attached to sin has been lifted. And, and without understanding God and, and, and allowing the word to wash over our hearts and minds, the average person on the street just walks around constantly with shame and guilt. They don't know what to do with it. What do people in the world today do with all their shame and guilt and disgrace? I'll tell you what they do. They often over-medicate themselves. They turn to addictions. They try to do a lot of things to escape the shame and disgrace. The beautiful thing about knowing the Lord is that that we're all sinners. And when we come to him and say, Lord, I've, I've sinned against you. Forgive me. That he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But see, the problem is, however, that once we even ask God to forgive us of our sins, we can still continue to torment ourselves with the shame of it. And, and you know what makes it worse is when other people do that for us. Right? We shouldn't be doing that. But, but sometimes people just like to pile on and like to remind us of our past. And it's a wonderful thing to know that the Lord never brings up the past. He never brings up the past. Once we give that to him, he removes our transgressions as far as the east is from the west. And your sins I remember no more is what the Bible says. And so we... We need to not only ask God for forgiveness, but then we need to stay in God's word to wash over the shame and disgrace to remind us that, okay, we're, we're free from all of that. 
But, but again, the world without knowing that is walking around under a blanket of constant shame and guilt. Amy Winehouse, who was uh, in her day a uh, very well-known singer, she died actually six years ago today at the age of 27. And Amy Winehouse, by her own admission, dealt extensively with uh, drug and alcohol addiction. You know, she, she wrote that song, Rehab, and I think it was born out of her own personal life experience. She was in and out of rehab for the majority of her adult life. And finally, six years ago today, she succumbed to alcohol poisoning at the age of 27. And Amy Winehouse once said this, quote, I really thought I was on the way out, meaning I thought I was dying during one of her addictive experiences. She said, I really thought I was on the way out. My husband, Blake, saved my life. Often I don't know what I do. Then the next day the memory returns, and then I am engulfed in shame, end quote. See, even when people don't have a relationship with God, and even though they may not understand sin and shame that is attached to sin, they, they know what shame is. They may not necessarily be able to identify why they feel that way, because if they don't know God and don't understand sin and forgiveness and shame that is attached to sin... They may not be able to put all the pieces together, but they know, they know when they're experiencing shame. They know when they feel the guilt. They know when they feel the disgrace. And, and yet, without Christ, there is no real remedy for the feelings of shame and disgrace. And what the psalmist knows is that when you go to God, he will forgive your sins. And that if you stay in God's word, he will continue to wash over your heart and your mind to remove from your mind those continual tormenting thoughts of shame and disgrace. Because God has rolled that away as far as he's concerned with us as well. Isaiah 25, 8, for example. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. He will remove the disgrace of his people from all the earth. In Romans 8, 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. You see, the word reminds us of God's grace. And that no matter how deeply we have sunk into sin, grace goes deeper still. And that God is a gracious and loving and forgiving Father who forgives sins and removes disgrace and shame. This is what the psalmist realizes. This is why he says, I need to stay in the Word. Isaiah forty-three twenty-five. God says, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. And remembers your sins no more. You all remember if you've studied the Bible to any degree that the Israelites spent 400 years of slavery in Egypt. And when they finally came out of slavery, the miraculous providential hand of God moving the heart of Pharaoh, raising up Moses, Moses leading the people out. During their wilderness wanderings for 40 years, they shouldn't have been wandering for 40 years. It was a journey of 13 days and ended up taking 40 years. But they ended up wandering through the Sinai Peninsula between Egypt and Israel because of rebellion and sin against God. Finally, Joshua assumes the mantle of leadership after Moses. And Joshua leads the people of Israel into the Promised Land. God parts the Jordan River. They cross the Jordan River going from east to west into the Promised Land of Israel. And the first thing that God says to the Israelites to do 
after they set up the memorial stones in the middle of the Jordan River so they would never forget what God did. First thing God says to Joshua is, I want you to circumcise the men. Because for 40 years during the wilderness wanderings, an entire generation had died, the ones that were rebellious against God. And there was another generation that grew up in the wilderness. And they were the ones who would go into the promised land. But during the 40 years of the wilderness wanderings, the men had not been circumcised, which was part of the Abrahamic covenant with God. And so God says to Joshua, I want you to circumcise all the men. And they were circumcised to renew the covenant with God. Why? To remind them that you are a people who belong to God. Now, why was this significant? Because you see, for 400 years, all the Israelites knew was being a slave. That was their identity. And God says, no more. And in Joshua 5, 9, after the men were circumcised, God says in Joshua 5, 9, today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt and this place shall be called Gilgal. And Gilgal in Hebrew means to roll away. God says, I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt, the reproach, the disgrace, the shame. Your identity is no longer to be seen as slaves. You are a people belonging to God. And God is still in the business of rolling away shame and disgrace from our lives. He is the one who is still taking us right where we are and saying, no more shame, no more disgrace. You are a people who belong to me. You are a blood-bought people. I want your identity now to be in me. This is why Peter would say in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 6, See, I lay a stone in Zion. A chosen and precious cornerstone, referring to Jesus. And the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. God does not shame us. God rolls away the shame. And the psalmist is saying here, when I stay in God's word, it takes away the disgrace and shame of my heart. Praise his name. The next thing that we see here in the next section, if you look at the next section, starting in verse 41, it is the Hebrew letter Vav. Now, I know there are W's are used there, W-A-W, but it's really pronounced like it's V-A-V, Vav. And he writes this in verse 41. May your unfailing love come to me, O Lord, your salvation according to your promise. Then I will answer the one who taunts me, for I trust in your word. Do not snatch the word of truth from my mouth, for I have put my hope in your laws. I will always obey your law forever and ever. I walk about in freedom, for I have sought out your precepts. I will speak of your statutes before kings and will not be put to shame. For I delight in your commands because I love them. I lift up my hands to your commands, which I love, and I meditate on all your decrees. So I want to highlight verse 45. If you'll notice verse 45, I will walk in freedom... For I have sought out your precepts. Number six on our list, it produces freedom. The word of God and getting it into our heart and understanding what he says actually produces freedom in our lives. There is freedom for the person who conducts himself or herself according to the word of God. Now, how is it that laws generally and God's law particularly actually brings freedom into our lives. Why would the psalmist say this? Because human nature instinctively is to think of rules and laws as restrictive. You know, for the most part, people 
aren't really jazzed up about rules because rules seem restrictive and like, oh, what, what do I have to do now? What's the list of rules? And so I think sometimes when people approach the Bible and people's perception of Christianity who, who are not Christians is generally along the lines of, you know, you people live a very, you know, tight life. You know, you know you're really wrapped tight because you, you have a bunch of rules you have to live by. And, you know, that might be good for you, but I, I would prefer a more free life than that. So here's, here's the real issue. How is it that the Bible produces freedom for us? First of all, it depends on your definition of freedom. We've got to get the definition or else this isn't going to make sense to us. If your definition of freedom is that you get to do whatever you want, whenever you want, however you want, well then no, God's word is not going to be freeing to you. Because there are some things that God says do not do. So if you think freedom is doing whatever you want, whenever you want, however you want, then God's word is not going to be freeing to you. Because there's stuff that God says don't do. But at the same time, friends, listen, if your definition of freedom is that you get to do whatever you want, whenever you want, however you want, you are not living in a real world. There's no world in our realm of reality where anybody gets to do whatever you want, whenever you want, however you want, because everybody is accountable to somebody, okay? You can't do this in this country. You can't just do whatever you want, whenever you want, however you want in this country. There are laws, there are rules in place. You can't do that at your work. You can't do that in your marriage. You can't do that here at church either. Why? Because there are rules, there are laws, there are orders that have been put in place for our good and for the benefit of others. There are certain structures and certain boundaries that are put in place in a country, in a church, in a family, in a job. See, nobody can just do whatever they want, whenever they want, however they want. So that's your definition of freedom. You're living in a world that doesn't exist. If, on the other hand, your definition of freedom is to be able to live life to the fullest, to be able to live life to the fullest within certain boundaries that are for my good and the good of others, well, then absolutely God's word will bring you freedom. Because God has set parameters and boundaries, and he has written out certain laws that those things don't save us, only Christ saves us. But within the context of the moral framework, if we actually do what those commands say, we actually can enjoy life to the fullest. All right? Now, let, let, me, let me work on this so that we all understand why I say that the Word of God, I don't say it, the psalmist says it, but why I'm emphasizing that the Word of God provides freedom for our lives. So last month, Terry and I visited for a couple of days at, um, at our youth camp. So, so we went up to youth camp for a few days, and one of the things that Terry said to me before we even went was, I want to ride the zip line at youth camp. Like, all right, we can ride the, the zip line at youth camp. But I wasn't all that jazzed about it because I don't like heights. All right, I've done the zip line before at other places, and, you know, I do it, you know, because I need to feel like I've checked the box. You know what I'm saying to you? So I was like, okay, you know, i got to do the zip line. It's a manly thing to do, so I'm going to do the zip line. Uh, but I don't like heights, so I don't like getting up there. And it, does anybody else kind of not like heights? Let me see your hands. Thank you. I'm going to start a support group after church today. <laughs> My name is Gary, and I don't like heights. So... Um, 
And so, but Terry, Terry's like, come on, let's just, and it's like three stories up, you know, and, and, but my wife, she's like this, she's, you know, lady adventure, and, and I, so she's the kite, and I'm kind of the anchor, and, uh, you know, but that's the way we work, we work that way together, she's like, hey, let's try this, and I'm like, hey, we might die, you know, and so, <laughs> there's some things in life, that, you know, because, like, we were in St. Vincent on a mission trip once, and she's like, let's jump off of this rock, now, this rock was like, like two stories, and, and you're down, diving into the ocean, and I'm like, I'm not doing it, well, next time we went, I did it, because, you know, I couldn't live with myself that I wouldn't jump off the rock, but don't you know that some of the locals were saying to me, oh, man, we don't even jump off that rock. <laughs> We're so glad you joined us for Pastor Gary's message today. We hope you've been blessed by this teaching in the book of Psalms and that God is whispering the words of comfort and strength to your heart. If you'd like to learn more about Cornerstone Connection, visit our website at cornerstoneconnection.cc. There you can hear all of Pastor Gary's messages through this book, as well as the entire Bible. Be sure to check out the companion resources while you're there, found under the Teachings tab. These digital study guides are meant to give you even more insight into some of the studies Pastor Gary has done and are available free of charge to you at cornerstoneconnection.cc. We'd love to connect with you and hear more about how God is working in your life. Feel free to join the conversation on our Facebook page or check out what's going on at Cornerstone Connection on Twitter or Instagram. We're here to chat with you in person, too. So give us a call at 703-771-1500. Let us know how we can be praying for you. That number again is 703-771-1500. That's all we have time for today. Pastor Gary will have much more to share from his verse-by-verse study through Psalms when you join us again, right here on Cornerstone Connection. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.